Greetings. I'm Reverend Dr. F. Willis Johnson, and this is Collage, a podcast of unique combinations of people and conversations on various things that matter and make a difference. The Reverend Steve Lawler is the founding director of the Walker Leadership Institute at Eden Theological Seminary, focusing on leadership for the common good. Ordained in the Episcopal Church, he served as a clergy leader of the St. Stephen's and the Vine in Ferguson, Missouri, and worked in University College at Washington University. As a consultant, he has collaborated with over 100 organizations. His vocational passions include community building, organizational development, launching new initiatives, and collaborative practice. I'm so glad to share this time with a friend and a mentor, the Reverend Steve Lawler. Brother Lawler, good day. Oh, it's so great to be with you. Oh, man, and also with you. I tell you, uh, you're doing great work. We, I'm excited about uh, diving into uh, the the deep well of both of your experiences and your genius, but also to tap into uh, the very catalytic means and uh, resources that that you provide and share uh, through your work in, in leadership at the Walker Leadership Institute and, and in other spaces and places. Uh, for our time together, I wanted us to to address this understanding around mining for the common good and how religious and spiritual leaders can do so in these very liminal times. Oh, this is a great uh, invitation, and especially to be in this conversation with you. Um, you and I are friends and colleagues and, uh, I guess, co-mentors. And uh, so when I think about mining uh, for the common good, I think of you as a, an extraordinary practitioner. Uh, I think part of it is a belief that the common good really is about all people having the opportunities and resources to be able to flourish. So any of those systems that stand in the way of human flourishing are not common good. Anything that supports common good uh, supports human flourishing. I think the other thing is, and I love the title of this mining, is that uh, there's so much that's yet to be discovered. And I think when uh, doing, whether it's asset-based community development work or appreciative inquiry or doing some of the kinds of community conversations that you've led and we've led together, uh, that's really in a sense that there is much more to be discovered, that there are resources to be uh, shared, and that the process of engaging in this kind of work uh, is a process to look forward to more of that kind of thing. I, I love uh, an interpretation of one piece of the Ignatian uh, Jesuit spirituality, which is the, the constant, um, they call it mages, but the constant look for what more what more can I do? What more can we do? What more is this community um, capable of doing uh, in responding to and supporting human flourishing? Yeah, wow. So that in these times can feel so idyllic. <laughs> and 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 as practitioners, um, uh, and you are exceptional in in your own right. So thank you for your your kind words to me. But back at you, uh, mm -hmm. I'm rubber, you're glue. They bounce off me and stick to you. But uh, so for those of us who are uh, find ourselves in the practice and in the in the uh, 
in the instructing, the facilitating, even the living into of this very idyllic um, and imaginative uh, kind of uh, aspiration and aim, there's still there's this need to be pragmatic. And, and, and particularly when you are a spiritual or religious practitioner or leader, um, trying to find or point people uh, to what is the good uh, mm. in a perspective tradition is, um, is, uh, is not easy. And then it is even more challenging to embody or to express and exhibit this uh, in light of what is our current geopolitical, social, civic kind of landscape and, and, and time. You're doing a lot of work. You engage with a lot of different people and particularly uh, folks that fall into this, this, this space and to this work. Uh, what does that look like for religious uh, persons and spiritual persons leading and working in these types of, of space and place? Yeah, so one of the distinctions people have made in the last, you know, what, dozens of years, but, you know, the idea of spiritual and religious. So let's um, identify that spiritual comes from the same uh, kind of understanding that we talk about inspiration. So when people are inspired for the work. And so what I would say is that oftentimes the first uh, part of the conversation is discovering what really gets people up and going? What, what really excites them, inspires them? And that's not a kind of a Pollyanna denial of the tough, tough work and the pragmatics of it. It's finding out what is it that people care enough about that they're willing to do this hard work. And so um, an example that I can uh, say that comes out of a very complex, uh, and I was telling you this story earlier, set, setting is, uh, someone I know um, who is working with homeless LGBTQA kids in Salt Lake City and is uh, a person who is part of the UCC tradition, is she's, uh, um, you know, would be considered progressive. Um, and, uh, but in her conversations about this challenge, discovered another mom, this woman is a, has children, uh, discovered another mom who was part of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints and was telling her this story about 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds who are kicked out of their houses when they come out. And not out of a theological place, but out of a place of a caring parent, this woman said, well, we have to do more. We have to do something about this. So if you put these two people next to each other and started talking about theological framework and other kinds of things, you know, pretty soon the distance would be growing. But when you found that each of them cares for kids and especially homeless teenagers who are, uh, are, are vulnerable to all kinds of things, uh, that was enough for them to connect. And so they've created a really strong response to that. And I, I would say... Uh, that's the place where people, if you can find that toehold, if you can find that thing that they really care about and that you care about, you can start to build out from that. And that could be um, a move towards um, more available access to uh, childcare. It could be a move towards, we're seeing it in, in the St. Louis community, the challenges of unhoused people. Um, there are a variety of different ways, but I would say the pragmatics are once you get to that place where you find out what inspires, what animates, and what's shared, 
then you can start to do the really hard work of building that out for uh, impact. Um, and there's no, um, uh, you know, there's no quick way to get there, as you well know. Um, that that relational building and that relational uh, depth becomes the the pillar um, that all of this harder work is built on. So I think it it's you know discovering what that is, and then finding where that common ground or common good can be developed. Yeah, yeah, you you took it uh, right out of my out of my thought in that last uh, reference, where as you were speaking, I was thinking common good and what you just shared is the equivalent of that uh, is finding or or establishing common ground. Uh, mm -hmm. That they found something as much as the other things that could be contentious or divisive or or, or different about um, their perspective or understanding of some things where they shared. Uh, uh, an understanding where they shared uh, or had an intersection of concern uh, or consciousness or where they could acknowledge that there was together something not right mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that needed to be righted uh, mm -hmm. that work uh, and the energy for the work or the opportunity to 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 work and 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 become or imagine together took shape and and that's an interesting um, uh, it seems kind of novel and simplistic. Uh, uh, but how do you get there? Is it always just so serendipitous or coincidental or can it be inorganic or can it be encouraged and, and kind of engineered? <laughs> well, and I think you you know this and represent this. Uh, you know, there's the part of it that's our, you know, work on our own, um, you know, frameworks, our own biases, our own, uh, adding to our own tools and our own uh, skillfulness, artfulness in these things. And then there's the part that's, you know, I guess in reporting, they used to talk about people like burning the shoe leather, right? You just, you don't get there unless you're out and engaging with people and engaging with them in a way that opens up these kinds of conversations. And some of them are, you know, four steps backwards and half a step forward. I mean, they're not straight line, um, but it. I think that, that that's really where the work comes. It comes in a, a kind of development of self and also an enriched understanding of the context and community that includes others' frameworks. Um, uh, you're aware of, um, you know, George Lakoff and his work on these kinds of things. And it starts out really his work. It's about framing. It's about being clear about your own frame and also listening and, and taking in the framework of the other person so that you understand their self-description. You're not laying something on them. Um, and that's where I think the, the, the opportunities start to show up. But yeah, some serendipitous, but some is, you know, you just have to keep showing up and making the rounds and being available. Um, and uh, I think... You know, that uh, I think of a preacher in Oklahoma when I was living there that had this great cadence and the, the, the sermon that day was your ability is your availability, your ability is your availability. And a lot of times that, you know, is just it's just showing up and, and hanging in there and, and being available to the possibility of these kinds of conversations and, uh, yeah. you know. I think I, I can say personally, it doesn't hurt you and me if that being available 
uh, involves being someplace where there's decent coffee. But it doesn't always involve decent coffee. Sometimes it involves really bad. No, coffee, no, right? no, no. But, you know, you know, liberation and libation go hand in hand or libation and liberation. <laughs> And, and and great contemplation and mm -hmm. uh, and and coffee uh, mm -hmm. always uh, uh, is percolates. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna get off this on on this exit ramp from these bad <laughs> bad analogies. So so yeah, you are gracious about the fact of uh, of respecting both science, the psychology, the understanding of what is um, kind of um, uh, you know. Uh, what can be both uh, of natural phenomenon, but also can be encouraged and, and curated or or uh, supported in, in 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 many ways. And so, your leadership uh, and the work through the Walker Leadership Institute uh, has served well to to bring some of these things about. But for those that may not know all about the Walker Leadership Institute and its efforts to be about the business of of finding. Um, and, and encouraging the common good. Can you talk, share with us about about that and and the legacy that is being lived into, of such a such an important work? Oh, thanks for that invitation. Yeah, the, we were um, founded in 2016. Uh, generous gift uh, from Bert and Carol Walker, and that uh, has grown into work. And so our focus is uh, there's some coursework that's part of Eden's curriculum. There's workshops. Uh, there's, I've done some consulting with others who are involved. Um, I've done some consulting. There's some asynchronous content that we work on. But the, the, the thing that's most central to what we're doing is this common good notion. And um, part of my background in uh, consulting and teaching uh, includes business disciplines. So we have uh, a track that's really focused on helping people who are doing uh, this kind of missional work or common good work also understand, you know, accounting and marketing and communication and HR and those kinds of things. Um, because those are often structures that support the work. And if those structures aren't in place or they're not done well, or in the case of financial management, they're done um, in ways that, um, you know, risk your 501c3 and other things, uh, create problems. So that's part of the work. Uh, and then uh, you and I are in conversation uh, with uh, something that's really exciting and on the horizon, which is to also work with cohorts of leaders who share a common experience and context. And this cohort that we have coming up, the Praxis cohort, uh, is really focused on what uh, certainly I've heard from numbers of people who are in religious uh, leadership roles in various traditions. Um, but it's anxiety about this upcoming election season and that, uh, you know, the, the rhetoric is amped up, the, uh, the, the sense of common ground and common good has uh, been stressed and strained and some fear broken. Uh, and so how, if you're a person who is committed to human flourishing and committed to a set of values that are consistent with your religious tradition, how do you work in spaces where you may encounter people who are challenging, aggressive, uh, otherwise uh, not people who are going to be collaborators or co-workers for the common good? Um, and that could be in your congregation. It could be in your community. It could be in your family. Um, 
You know, I love the piece that you've created about things to think about when you're sitting to Thanksgiving dinner um, and how that sometimes is a is a, a place of anxiety and, and challenge for people. So how can we equip people with some tools who are working in those kinds of spaces and then also create a community so that they are in support of one another? Uh, because uh, oftentimes the place of a religious leader is is in some ways lonely or some ways under-resourced. So we're launching the Praxis Fellows uh, to be able to um, train people and support people who are facing these challenges that will be heightened in this next electoral season. And what is the, uh, obviously uh, it's unique to have such a, um, uh, uh, a, a incubating kind of um, and deliberative um, uh, enterprise in a scholastic setting like uh, a theological institution. <laughs> what is the what's the benefit of that and particularly how does that lean itself to this new work that you're embarking on through your praxis cohort mm -hmm. yeah i think that uh you know part of the um, older understanding of uh seminaries is they were launch pads or or seed beds or places where people grew um, through the formation i think what is happening more and more is that uh, maybe the people who are doing these kinds of important um, uh, sets of, of works in their community may or may not be connected uh, to a seminary, but they're definitely in the middle of this kind of work. And so we were able to uh, collaborate with you and, um, and, and develop this program and uh, have it be a set of tools for people because you know, it's it's one thing in the standard seminary education to learn sacred texts and traditions and practices and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a joke that some people will make that it took them, you know, three years to get through seminary, five years to get over it. And it's that <laughs> sense of more and more people's uh, clear challenges has them saying, great, 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 love theory, love theology, love. But, you know, I've got to do this work today. I've got to face this challenge today. So how can you help us do that work? And so that's how we rose to this. It came out of conversations you and I've been having for years and uh, certainly was in sync with things that Eden um, as a seminary has connected to. And then with the Walker leadership, um, you know, umbrella of for the common good, um, then this, this became a really clear way to to respond to what's going to be a challenging year ahead yeah yeah it um i'm excited i'm always grateful for any opportunity to to do cool things with you but also to have institutions uh like uh like eden theological seminary and then some of the other um uh, foundational partners obviously uh bridge alliance who is committed in the work of civic and, and deliberative and democrative uh, enterprise and exercise, and then to make sure that we're doing things that work with uniquely diverse audiences, like the one that you have highlighted with uh, interfaith or multi-faith, multi-dimensional uh, religious, uh, and even maybe not always clearly defined spiritual uh, uh, leaders, practitioners, 
um, to come around what is what is uh, really important in 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 the lives of 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 all of the created as we express or uh, all of us uh, you know our faith lives and our and 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 our understandings uh, we believe or 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 aspire to have uh, be effectual and uh, uh, help to articulate or help uh, to. Um, uh, uh, make sense of our existential, our everyday reality. Uh, we have uh, in most uh, faith traditions, this understanding of inalienable rightness, as I like to refer to it as, where we uh, not only have a right or responsibility to exist, but in our existence have, have responsibility and accountability to making sure that not only what we are able to do, have, and experience, but that that is interconnected and interdependent uh, both uh, within and among those who are uh, part of the, the human fabric or family, as well as the creation in the world. And, and we know uh, from in many ways how, how the imbalance or what we do and the cause and effect of what we do or don't do uh, has great consequence. And, and, and no better place or no more important place to understand that than in the, the body politic. Um, and so uh, I'm excited. Um, I know there's so much more we could uh, investigate and, and 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 explore together, and and hopefully we'll do so. Um, but if someone wanted to find out more about engaging uh, your work, learning and gleaning from the Walker Leadership Institute, or more importantly, figure out in the uh, in the coming time to uh, find themselves in circle of learning with uh, this particular praxis cohort that is emerging, uh, what's the best way or what's the what's a useful way to, to get an invite or to to get in, in contact uh, and get greater uh, information around that? Sure. Uh, the first thing I would say is please send me an email at leadership at eden.edu. That will be direct and I'll be able to keep you in the loop as we start the process of um, launching the cohort. Uh, the other thing is you can go to the eden.edu website and uh, or plug into your browser, uh, eden.edu uh, Walker Leadership, or Walker for that matter, it'll get you there. And that'll show you some of the things that we're working on. Uh, we're about to refresh that page, I would tell you, uh, as we add things now for the second semester, since we're an academic um, institution and we go by academic calendars. Uh, so I would encourage you to take a look, but also to stay tuned. Uh, but if you'd like to be on our mailing list or just have a question for me, uh, leadership at eden.edu. Right on, right on. And we'll share this uh, wherever this great podcast is uh, is uh, lifted and uh, posted. But I am so grateful, as always, to be in the company of you to learn. And I'm excited about what um, uh, we will do uh, going forward together, not only in this space, but in, in all the other spaces that we uh, we intrude upon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> most of all, I thank you for your friendship, uh, my brother. Right on, right on. Yeah. And uh, again, we, we hope you will join us again real soon for this podcast and, uh, and join yeah. up with as many people as possible to help make a more beautiful, colorful, and perfect collage.